Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dosh, Rinko Levers. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the eternal black abyss of nothingness known as Wrong and Wronger. I am the purveyor of utterly useless information, Steve, Dr. Steve Olivas, and he is James. Don't expect much out of me because, you know, my butt, break well. And James, give us an update on your beleaguered backyard. Things are going well. My wife continues <laughs> to enjoy packing my wound. I think our love and appreciation wow. for each other grows by the day. I remain invincible and unkillable and can't wait to see what horrible <laughs> misfortune the universe throws at me next. I don't know that you could, in all confidence, say Lola enjoys packing your wound. That, that Those words don't really fit together, James. I think that spending time with me is just so wonderful that it does not matter what we do together. Oh. And actually, I, I have an example. I can prove my case. So, uh -huh. after I ruined our adults-only <laughs> lake outing with our friends in Wisconsin because I have an open wound that does not mix with lake water, after that was sure. canceled, uh, she has a, another outing she wants to go on. Uh, for her uh -huh. birthday, she asked for one thing and one thing only. She wants to go to the grocery store. Not what? just any grocery store, like this mega, super, ultra grocery store in Ohio. It's called Jungle Gyms. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's like wow. five grocery stores put together. She was, she's been excited about this for forever, and now we're going to do it like on her birthday. This, this is a thing. Just, it doesn't matter how mundane the activity, Steve. As long as it's with me, it's a treat. I think I see what you're saying, James, that... Compared to spending time with you, packing a wound seems like a blessing. And compared to packing a wound, going to the grocery store will be like walking into the pearly gates. So it, it's all about perspective. I, 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 I appreciate what you're saying. I mean, it could be worse. I mean, it could be somebody packing your wound, which I'm sure would just be unbearable. There, there would be no survivors in that situation. Although I mean, how many you know, how how many kidney stones has your wife coached you through now? Like fifteen. Well, now in fairness, she was out of town the entire run of the last one, so I endured by myself. And James, I suffered in dignified silence. What are what are you doing to make this keep happening to you? Like I figure, after the first five or six, there should have been a lesson learned, a medication taken, a diet change made. But yet you just keep soldiering on, shooting out you know solid masses from your urethra, and I just I just don't think that's supposed to happen. <laughs> well, it's my prodigious urethra that makes it all possible. Quite frankly, did you did you change nothing? Like oh, is there okay. is there nothing happening? You're just you're just dealing with it. <laughs> Well, that ground things to a halt. I will say, though, the uh, the medical docket between you and I continues to grow by leaps and bounds. As Mrs. Steve, because our driveway is a disaster sent straight from hell, fell. Uh, she slipped on gravel down our steep driveway and broke her ankle. Oh. And it's a break. 
right next to her artificial ankle. Like she got an ankle replacement a couple years ago, which didn't take. So she had to get it redone one year ago. And now she broke a bone next to it. And uh, her orthopedic surgeon, I, I would like him to name the swimming pool area of his house after us because it's clearly, it, it's bought and paid for just based on Mrs. Steve's medical history with him. So she's got that going for her. And I suppose, again, perspective is the guide that teaches us to be grateful. She doesn't have a Brakewellian seeping wound in her butt. Did you have to drive her the 95 miles to the hospital, or did you guys just take <laughs> care of it on the farm? You know, I was... I, listen, man, I'm a busy guy. Jeez, please. She said that because I was with patients all day, and I had them back-to-back -back yesterday, she said, I laid there in the driveway thinking maybe someone will stop and help me. And P.S. So my son uh, had a, a minor car wreck, and by minor, I mean, uh, I, Miss Steve took care of it. But his car is out. So he's driving her car to go to work. He was also at work. So she had to drive our big farm truck to wherever the heck she was going that she needed to unlock the gate. Point being this. So she was laying there in the driveway thinking about her options. And she said, I knew I had three options. I could either wait till someone stops and helps me. And apparently she waited long enough to realize that wasn't going to happen. She said, or I could call an ambulance and then like just ask the ambulance guys to like lock the gate when they took me to the hospital because the dog was still up in the house. And she said, or I have to like drag myself back up the driveway to the truck, which is not easy to get into. Like it's a big truck and uh, somehow <laughs> climb into the thing. Try to close the door, even though gravity is working against the door, and then turn it around and go back up the driveway. And that is the option she chose to do. I don't know how long it took her to get up the driveway, into the truck, get everything secured, turn it around and get into the house. But the way she told the story, it almost seemed as though she was mad that I wasn't answering my phone. I, I should take that personally, James. I have, as always, many questions. <laughs> Uh, but first, I have to commend her for picking the best option. Like, I'm thinking if one ankle's broken, I picture, like, a crab walk scenario where you put both arms behind you, one leg Ooh. on, you scoot, you plant your butt, you know, if you're not me and don't have a seeping butt yeah, wound, yeah, and yeah. then, you you know, you just keep no, going yeah. that way, leg to butt, leg to butt, and you make yeah. it where you got to go. Um, so I, I'm impressed that through all of this, your, your main concern is this gate, which actually blocks off nothing. Like, you would have to have the dumbest dog in the world for that gate to stop, and one... He could walk right through the gaps in between it, too. There's no fence connected to the gate, if I recall correctly. No, it's just a standalone no, no. gate. But first, how dare you? She doesn't want anyone to steal the dog. That's the problem. And yes, the barbed wire fence does connect to the gate. So our entire property is fenced. Other and than the few areas that I put up do not enter fences. But yes. Who... Who would steal? Who would even notice you have a dog if they don't notice your wife lying wounded on the ground with a broken ankle? You think they're going to notice this tiny dog the size of a hamster? And if they did notice it, why would they want it? I mean, you're out there in in, in redneck country. I mean, that's not a hunting dog. That's not a functional animal. That is a that is a burden. That's what that is. That's that's what you eat as like a snack on the first day of the apocalypse. That is not gonna. That's not gonna entice anybody to steal it. Maybe, but again, I believe we've covered this on this show before. That dog ranks several slots higher than me on the totem pole of the Olivas family tree. 
well, think I just mixed my metaphors. But the point is, uh, she would rather have someone steal me than steal that dog. I just, why? I, 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 I really don't think that barbed wire fence is keeping in that dog. I've seen the size of this dog. There's no it's way that fence... keeping in. She doesn't want anyone driving. Once you clear our driveway, you cannot be seen. Like, the house is so far back on the property. It's a, almost a half a mile back from the driveway. If you make it into our house, you got carte blanche to do anything you want, take anything you want, have whatever kind of naked uh, uh, wine cooler-induced party that you want. I'm not speaking from experience. But as long as you're going to ransack the place, you might steal the dog. And that's why we lock the gate. It's okay. not to protect all of our assets. It's to protect... The dog. So if the gate is open, you can't even see that there's a house there. So you'll have no idea oh, if it's defended no. the, or not. You you, you see the gate open, I would assume there is somebody home because they're there protecting it. They don't need to close the gate. I would think closed Ooh. gate means they're gone. Second of all, you think they're going to see an uh, open gate, assume there's a house, assume somebody's gone, and assume there is a useless dog inside that now they're going to go up there, <laughs> ransack, and steal. There's like 19 jumps of logic that I, and I don't think any of them track. I, I, I have a lot of fears in my life, Steve, a lot of unfounded fears, but all of them are more logical and sensical than your fear of having that dog stolen. Well, you are not a small blonde woman with a broken ankle lying at the bottom of a steep driveway either, James. I, I'm not, but if I were, my concern would not be about the dog my concern will always be for myself and only myself that is that is the survival instinct that allows me to survive four to five surgeries a year i'm always looking out for the sky even if i'm not doing such a good job well i will say other than the ups guy and the fedex guy uh we have had no casual onlookers meander up our driveway since the first couple few weeks that we lived there. So that is the good part. But you never know. It's the country. People be crazy. And there's a fair amount of meth out by us. So why why did she think a good Samaritan was going to mosey on by? Why did, why did she wait at all? Well, that has happened also. I don't know if you know this, James. Let me give you a little PSA here. All right. When you load up the back of your pickup truck with four by eight sheets of lumber and you leave the tailgate open, just so you know, the way gravity and physics works, <laughs> when you aim the truck uphill and gun it, all of that wood slides out of the back of the truck. I know this now. And I was able to pick it all up and get it back into the truck because a good Samaritan in his church clothes on the way to church stopped and helped me reload my truck with all of that plywood, all those sheets of plywood. So we have had good Samaritans stop before. It's not out of the question in the country. I'm questioning your handling of trucks now. There have been many truck incidents on this driveway. <laughs> I think it, it, all truck incidents on this driveway. It's... I don't think any other vehicle has had yeah. trouble on the driveway except for big, powerful trucks. But what what did you think was going to happen when you gunned it the first well, time? <clears throat> See, I had it strapped left to right. And then uh, <laughs> your counterpart, the exploding possum, pointed out you've got to run a ratchet strap from the trailer hitch up to the cab so that it keeps the stuff from from uh, sliding backwards out of the truck. And I thought, oh, yeah, 
I thought just sort of cinching it down left to right would keep it in place, but that's only to keep it from bouncing around on the freeway. Once you get gravity and a little bit of burnt when you hit that accelerator and gun it, that, that's all it took for the whole kit and caboodle to hit the blacktop. Did it was he, a bad morning. Did he warn you before this happened or after? No, it was after I posted a picture <laughs> and was lamenting my fate by the, the cruel hand of physics. And he said, uh, yeah, you, you, you run a ratchet strap from the trailer hitch up toward the cab. And I thought, oh. And that little piece of advice, that little bit of real world wisdom has helped me many times since then, James. So lesson learned. Maybe you should run your decisions by the internet before you make them. <laughs> See, it never occurs to me that I'm making a bad decision. That's that's one of the that's my superpower, James. Just putting my head down, just going full steam forward. Yeah, you did throw me for a loop uh, earlier this week or month or year. I, I don't know how often oh. I check your profile. You know how algorithms work. It might be showing <laughs> me something from six years ago, but I saw oh. a picture on there of a view from your hotel room, and instead of a scenic view of an air conditioner unit on a rooftop. <laughs> You could see a tree. Like, it wasn't a good tree view. The tree was pretty much blocking everything, but it was a tree and not an air conditioner. And I wasn't sure if that was an upgrade for you or a downgrade. James, I got to tell you, this last weekend, July 29th and 30th, marked out of 56 birthdays that I have had, this was so far and away number one, I don't even see second place from where I'm standing. So that was just the beginning the opening salvo of a long concerto of a beautiful weekend. It was fantastic. So I'm guessing you did not have to strap anything down or haul lumber up any slight inclines. No, no, but I did have to drive seven and a half hours Saturday, then turn around and come back Sunday, but it was worth it. All right, walk me through your perfect weekend. Cause I, I would like to, th- to find out what brings you joy to make sure that I never do anything close to that. I would, I would hate to accidentally make your life better. If we were at the Bellagio and you were asked to put down a bet on what would have made my weekend, I'm guessing you would get it correct on the first try without even thinking twice. But we drove to Chicago, and yes, I realized my best birthday ever happened in Chicago, which is far and away the worst city on the face of the earth. <laughs> Needs to get a bunch of bulldozers to line up, push the whole damn thing into Lake Michigan, start over again. But it is the home to the Credit One Amphitheater. And I went because the guy with whom I published my last book called MTV Famous, Pete Evick, Pete Evick and Steve Olivas, Pete Evick plays for Brett Michaels, and he invited me to come up to their party gras, which included Brett Michaels doing a show with somebody you should recognize, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray, and then a guy who used to sing for Journey. And the three of them traded off singing songs from their respective bands, Poison, Journey, and Sugar Ray. But opening for them was Night Ranger, and opening for them was Jefferson Starship. And I got to be backstage in the thick of things with all of them, but that would have been good enough. Except I said to Mrs. Steve before we left to go up there, I'm bringing business cards from my publishing slash ghostwriting company, and I am going to stalk Jack Blades, like the guy who stabbed Steffi Graf at uh, whatever she is at Wimbledon or the French Open a few years ago. Like, uh, I'm going to get one of my business cards into Jack Blades' hands. Jack Blades, the lead guy for Night Ranger. And uh, one of my favorite bands of all time, one of my two favorite concerts I've ever been to of all time. And Jack Blades is just a uh, king to me. So 
We're sitting in the craft services area because obviously we get to eat glazed salmon along with the rest of the grubby crew and the other musicians. And as we're sitting there, Pete looks up and goes, oh, hey, Jack. And it was Jack Blades coming right behind us. And I went, is that Jack Blades? And Pete said, yeah. Hey, Jack, you want to meet a couple of people? And I will say this. <laughs> You're such Jack an obligation, remembered... such a burden. <laughs> Jack asked what Mrs. Steve's name was, and she told him, and then I, I kicked in what my name was, and he went, uh-huh. And as he left a few minutes later, he's, he remembered Mrs. Steve's name, and I don't know if he even remembered I was sitting there. But the point is, so uh, Pete handed him one of Pete's books and said, he's the guy that wrote this book with me. And uh, I did, hold on, let me run over here and grab this. I had actually brought a book because I wanted to do this to the rock stars. I'm this guy and point to my name on the cover. And I did that. And uh, Jack Blades, he's sort of a sober guy, kind of a serious. And he kind of turned the book over in his hands a few times. And he noticed uh, my Journeyman Publishing logo. And he said, is that your company? I said, yeah. He said, so you wrote this and published it? I said, yeah. And he gave like a two Mississippi pause, and he said, do you have a card? And I said, <laughs> well, let me check. I, I think, I, oh, look at this. I do happen to have a card. So that was thing one. And if you look, I have a picture of me in awe standing next to Jack Blades of Night Ranger. But then I'm hanging out backstage, and uh, one of my other favorite band, my favorite hair metal band, I consider Night Ranger more of a, a rock band, but my favorite hair metal band was Warrant. And one of the guys from Warrant happened to show up and come backstage. And uh, Pete, again, dragged him over because he knows I love Warrant. And he said, Jerry, this is Steve. Steve is Jerry. Jerry Dixon from Warrant. And Jerry Dixon said to me, he said to me, hey, uh, we don't have a book yet. Do you have a card on you? And I was like, let me check. Yes, I think I do. And I handed Jerry Dixon a card. So I got two rock stars that I would love to write a book with. One kind of asked me for my card only after he was given the hard sell. And the other one actually approached and asked me for a card because it sounds like they've been tossing this idea around and I might be the guy with a capital G. And all of that was so big and so powerful, James. When Brett Michaels finally took the stage, all of my dopamine receptors were fried. I was so high for so long. I, I had nothing left to give Brent. Brett, I, I just kind of stood and gave him a golf clap because I was so out of gas. It was so big. And that was my weekend. So your best weekend ever was just getting more work. That's, that's what this was. It was a networking event for more time to spend typing on your card table in the bathroom. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking about that. So I'm getting some momentum, you're getting some momentum in ways that, uh, that people cannot even imagine. And the point is, this is not American Idol. You and I didn't just wake up and all of a sudden we ended up who we are. Like this has taken a hell of a lot of grinding and a lot of work and a lot of hours. And I do believe that when we ever do rule the world, you and me, uh, you of course being vice president, I'm the president, but the point is, we will at least have some satisfaction in knowing that we worked our way up to where we're at. And so people can't take it away. Like we didn't just magically appear when any power that be can rip it out from under us. So I would like to congratulate us both for doing the grind, everything that it takes to claw our way to mediocrity. 
I would I, I will I will join this toast. We have clawed our way up from nothing to slightly more than nothing. I think we have <laughs> little little bit above rock bottom there. Uh, they can't take away what you don't have, Steve. So that's that we got that going for us. They really can't knock us down that much <laughs> oh, further. What, what are you what are you doing? What uh, is that? It is it is an accurate assessment of our place in life. I will say this. You need to get yourself a big fancy writing desk, probably secondhand because, you know, you've spent all of your money on the ranch and on spilled lumber and on, you know, fanciful musical concerts in Chicago. But put it in that second, uh, the second cursed cabin, turn it into your writing den because if any of these big famous rock stars ever see your many, many pictures of your sad writing arrangement, I think all the business <laughs> cards in the world are not going to save you. I don't know. I remember... I. Have you ever read On Writing by Stephen King? Uh, yes. Okay. Stephen King talks about his humble beginnings, too. And they're actually very similar to mine for reasons that are completely coincidental. But uh, he had a little closet, and he would have to actually balance his writing table. It was like a tray on his lap and put his typewriter, ka-ching, 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 his typewriter on that thing. And that's how he wrote Carrie. Like, it was on that thing that was balanced on his lap in this tiny little closet that he had in his little house. So for me to have a tiny table in a bathroom makes me think, ah, me and Stephen King, we are simpatico. Yeah, Stephen King with his first actual book, uh, I think the, the actual main rights didn't sell for that much, but then they bought the paperback rights again for $200,000 in like 1970 and sold yeah. 2 million copies, something along those lines. Uh, you and I are up to like 95 books each that we've written and uh, <laughs> we have not, have not landed that deal yet. I'm not so sure that it's coming, but I guess we can hope. I will say to verify your point, I didn't see on your Twitter feed that you did post many pictures of yourself with many old people. I thought maybe you were visiting a nursing home, <laughs> but no, you were at the concert of your dreams, living out your fantasy. So good for you. Good for you for getting those cards into those hands. I met a guy named David Freiberg. I think that's his name. God, I might have screwed up a couple letters. But the point is, he is OG, Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship. And uh, he's 84 years old, and he was singing lead vocals. Like, that guy can still bring it. He's playing guitar at 84. He's, he's out on the catwalk, shaking hands and high-fiving. So I, I, it was just cool. It was cool all around. But he was the oldest of the old. You know, I, you're not that far from it, i got to say. You're, you're in the neighborhood. <laughs> I know uh, my wife devastated me the other day. We, we watched that movie uh, Air about uh, Michael Jordan landing his shoe oh, contract, yeah. which is actually, I would say, not a great movie. Like, I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan, but this is basically like the story of signing a contract. It is very uninspiring. But oh. when they... And also, I'm not a, I'm not a big sneakerhead or anything. Uh, but the the point is, we were talking about they're they're throwing around these amounts of money, and it was like 1984. And it, uh, I, I said, well, that was you know, uh, you know, 30 years ago. And then she goes, no, that was 40 years ago, and my world <laughs> was destroyed. Steve, the early <laughs> 1980s were 40 years ago. 40. Yes, and one of us was born in 85, and that 40-year anniversary is coming. It is. It, it really is. I I have a 20-year – oh, my God, I don't even remember which, which one it is. I have a 20-year high school reunion coming up. I graduated 
from high school 20 years ago. I remember my parents going to their 20-year high school reunion. <laughs> that can't be me, Steve. This can't be a thing. Isn't it weird to know that you knew your father when he was your age? It like, blows I my... remember crossing that bridge. Yeah. It like every time I see a picture of him when he's a younger adult than I am, I get like visibly upset. Like you could not have been 24. This is not <laughs> this is not fair. This did not happen. Take it back. And he seems so much older than I am now. It's weird. Because oh, yes. you and I, we're young men. We're spry. I am the spryest 38-year-old I know who's gone through four surgeries in the last 12 months. And uh, I look uh, at him, and uh, it just can't be. Because I remember him. He was an old man. He's been an old man my whole life. Yeah. 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 Just kind of, It's the same way I look at you, except you're just as old as ever. Nothing has changed there. <laughs> well, and I keep aging, apparently, as I did again over the weekend. Well, you know what? If you just keep hanging out with older senior citizens, you'll seem young by comparison. So you just you keep doing you. I think you're on the right path. There's a couple of rock stars from my genre that are younger than me, and it's a it's always very confusing when I see that. I don't understand how that all works. Well, I but think... I'm living the dream. <laughs> I met Jack Blades and James Breakwell all in the span of about three days. Only one of us has a giant poster in your bathroom, so. Hmm. <laughs> did you take it yeah, down? Did you take it down? <laughs> I did not, but the countdown to Armageddon clock is at about four months because at the end of October, everything must go, and that wow. is among the stuff. Well, just take it to your house and put it over your big uh -huh. giant writing desk so that I can look down upon you and inspire you <laughs> as you write in the bathroom. Ew. Well, with that thought and uh, not-so-subtle threat of ruining my career, we have to walk it out of here. James, not necessarily walking, he more he, he does the thing where he has to hold his butt cheeks together with his uh, rather impressive musculature as he goes forward to make sure that nothing seeps out. Otherwise, Lola gets called back into active duty. But this is Steve Olivas using the word duty unironically for James the duty spewing breakwell saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and as always, we're sorry. Two wrongs can't make a right.